morning, listeners. This is your coach and host, Gene Valdez here. A textbook definition of our topic this week is intellectual property rights are proprietary rights created by statute that includes patents, trademarks, copyrights, or trade secrets. If you are a business owner that has any proprietary knowledge or assets, consider yourself lucky as it gives you an advantage over your competitors. Having a legitimate advantage over your competition is always a good thing as it can lead to long-term sustainability, which is the name of the game. In short, your IP could be the reason why your target market is buying more stuff from you than the other guys. So listen carefully today. IP knowledge, in my opinion, is crucial. My guest for this week's podcast is attorney Rick Finkelstein, who is an expert on the subject of intellectual property. All you got to do is talk to him and you'll know that he's an expert or listen to him and you'll know that he's an expert. Before I bring Rick on, please allow me to give you a brief summary of his bio. Rick is the owner of RC Trademark Company, LLC, based in Brooklyn. Field, Connecticut. Rick has over 15 years of hard-hitting experience, mainly in patent drafting and the prosecution, I love that word, prosecution, of patents and trademarks. In particular, he has worked primarily on patents related to computer software, computer networks, databases, electrical circuits, as well as musical instruments and musical accessories. Rick will have to elaborate on that one for us. Rick was admitted to practice in Connecticut, as well as the U.S. Patent Office and Trademark Office and the U.S. District Court for District of Connecticut. Rick received his Juris Doctorate from Quinnipiac University School of Law, which is based in Connecticut. Loyal listeners, here he is, Rick. Hey, Rick. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me on the show. Okay, Rick, listen, I have a lot of questions for you that I think my listeners would like to hear the answers to. So with your permission, let's dive in. Okay. Rick, I covered in my opening comments a brief definition of IP, but in layman terms, what is your definition of intellectual property? I would say intellectual property is whatever you create in your mind. So it can be an invention. It can be a really cool name you want to call your business. It could be a design or a piece of artwork. But it's anything that you create in your mind. That's what intellectual property is. So other than the generic categories of patents, trademarks, copyrights, or trade secrets. So let me just tell you about trade secrets because that's an easy one. So trade secrets are anything that you create and you want to keep it secret. So you develop ways to keep it secret. And I think the best example for this is the Coca-Cola formula because okay. nobody knows what it is. It's locked up and that's a trade secret. Most intellectual property like patents or trademarks, they're publicly disclosed. So if Coke filed a patent application on that formula, we'd all know about it, but we don't. It's secret, trade secret. Does that kind of dovetail into my next question? I've heard a lot of people say that they don't want to file a patent or a trademark or a copyright, because then there would be information out there for somebody to kind of try and knock it off. 
That's exactly right. Yeah. So okay. You, yeah. So if you file for a patent, everyone's going to design around. If you have a great product, and this has happened to me before, um, it was actually a, a microphone stand that I uh, patented, and it's great. I mean, it's an awesome stand. And then I was at a, a trade show, music industry trade show, and I saw the knockoff of it there, mm-hmm. and I was just surprised. I said, "Oh." And I looked at it and I knew what the patent looked like. And I knew they just had taken our patent and found a way to get around it and created this stand. So you defeated the whole purpose then? <laughs> well, it was a much bigger company. I didn't think their product was as good, but um, that's what happens with patents. You disclose them publicly and then someone, they want to create that same thing. They're going to find a workaround. So Rick, give me a, a, a definition of a trademark and how many different types of trademarks are there? I'm sure there's plenty, right? All right. Well, this is kind of an easy question. So a trademark and everyone really had no idea what a trademark is. They think a trademark is, I own this word or I own this phrase. I have a trademark. And that's not what a trademark is. A trademark is simply a source identifier. It identifies the source of a product, which we call a good or a service. And that's it. Trademark is just a source identifier. Like One of the best ways to think about it, for me at least, is if you go back to the 1700s and a guy made you a tin cup and you flip it over and you look at the bottom to see what he stamped in it. And that's how you can tell who made that, the maker's mark. And that's a trademark. It's a source identifier. It tells you the source of that cup. Even though we have the web today and internet, it's a little different. It, it's still the same thing. It's still a source identifier. So really there's only, in that generic sense, there's only one trademark, only one kind of trademark. Technically, there's two. There's a trademark for goods, and there's a trademark for services, which we call service mark. So you'll see SM for service mark, TM for trademark. But typically, trademark refers to goods. Service mark refers to services. What about a copyright? How would you define that? And how many different type of copyrights are there? (laughs) Okay. Copyright's interesting because that's not really my field, but I just know a little bit. Um, so a copyright protects artistic expression. So that would be someone who does music, writing, painting, drawings, TV commercials, TV shows, movies. Those are all protected under copyright because they are artistic expression. And there's crossover. So if you have the really cool logo that you develop for your company and you have, uh, you hand drew this beautiful design. Mm-hmm that can be protected as both a copyright and a trademark. And we sometimes do that because if you want to put your logo on your mug and your shirt and your hat, um, that can get very expensive. So if you file copyright, it's protected no matter how it's used. What is the Nike swoosh? What is that considered? Trademark. And does that have a limited shelf life? Does that go on in repute or how do, you, how do they continue to protect that? Okay, so trademarks can go on indefinitely. They don't expire. Oh, I, I should rephrase that. They do expire if you don't renew them and pay the fee. But you can keep going. And I believe there's still one trademark out there from the 1800s that's still active. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, the company's still around. They're still going strong. How about the internet? Are internet domains a form of intellectual property? That's a good question. because People spend a lot of time on their domain, you know, trying to I, be creative. So it, it can be considered um, a source identifier, but usually it's not considered a source identifier. So if you have if you have a website, usually 
the trademark is what you have on the header, like what you see on the top of the web page. That is considered a trademark. And you don't really always look at the domain name. However, you can have domain names that are very similar that can cause confusion. So that's kind of a gray area. So a lot of my business listeners, small business owners, would think, well, maybe I do need some type of protection, but it's expensive dealing with these issues in an attorney and intellectual property. But is that true? So it can be. I've worked at numerous firms, you know, firms that are hourly. And, you know, every time the client calls you, you know, you have to bill 0.1 or 0.2 per, you know, for that call and for that email. And I personally didn't like that. I more of the fixed fee or cap fee kind of model. That's what I prefer. It's easier for the clients to understand what it's going to cost. They can predict it. And so it's usually not that expensive. It's probably less than people think. Okay. Uh, one, okay. one other thing I should say is um, when you Google like trademark filers on online, there were a lot of filers in overseas countries that were had websites that disguised themselves as U.S. filers. Okay. And uh, it was like $99 or it was very cheap. So um, there were a lot of people filing those. Well, the, the United States government has shut them down. And those poor people, because they filed thinking they were filing in with an attorney, but they weren't. And the U.S. government did not refund the fees. So the U.S. government kept the fees and these people are left with nothing. So you'll see these trademarks out there that have been abandoned for that reason. What are your sort of general comments, Rick, about intellectual property and the Internet? Is that just a, the wild, wild west out there? How do <laughs> how do my business owners protect themselves with all the information and well, it is the wild, wild west, especially if you're an Amazon seller. Um, someone will quickly knock you off. If you're an, if you're going to sell online, like on Amazon or some other platform, trademark is a great idea just to have it. Like I said, it's not that expensive, and it will protect you if you need it. Some people, all of a sudden, they see themselves being knocked off, and they come to me like, "Hey, I want to get a trademark now. Let's do it. Let's file it so we can get it tomorrow." I'm like, well, it doesn't work that way. You know, it's gonna. It takes months. Now it could take a year. And by that time, your business can be ruined. And it's happened a lot, especially um, with foreign. There's people in, in other countries that will, will see you with a successful business. They will say, hey, they never trademarked that name. So they will go, they will trademark it themselves. They'll get it registered. And then they'll kick you off the platform based on their registration and then hold you hostage. And I have seen that personally, where a guy came to me and said, hey, we've been using this company name for years. And all of a sudden, this guy... And this other country has filed this trademark and they sent us an email. We have to pay them X amount of dollars um, or we're going to get, uh, they're going to kick us off Amazon. And the guy said, no. And the guy did kick them off Amazon. So it does happen. I had a fight to get it back. In terms of legal remedies for my clients that maybe have um, statute protected IP. Okay. If a company has blatantly used their IP or it, or it has done it already and not continue to do so. What legal remedies does an American company have to protect themselves versus other companies? Because the laws are different internationally, correct? They are. And a lot of commerce happens in this country. So you'll see a lot of it going on here. And I've been involved with two firms, two Chinese companies duking it out in Chicago. Literally, they're both in China, but the court battle is being fought in in, uh, Chicago. Because this is where Amazon is. This is what drives the, the internet commerce is, you know, companies like Amazon. 
So that's where they all mm-hmm. want to be. Um, if you're on one of those kind of platforms and your IP gets infringed, the platforms will usually step in and shut down the infringer. So that's a good thing. It makes it simple and easy. The platforms that want to get involved in the fight, they shut it down if you own the registration. If it's not on one of those platforms, then you'll have to go into the court system here. And the court system, as you know, is really expensive. Uh, it takes a long time. I don't do that. That's for litigators. But no, that's thousands and thousands of dollars. Right. So, I mean, I heard of a, of a, um, of a company that literally was using the McDonald's menu. I don't know if they were using their golden arches, but their restaurants were similar. Okay. But it, it was enough for someone to say, this is a knockoff of, of the McDonald's franchise system. But the franchise, the franchisee said, well, they're like 10,000 miles away. The, the laws are different. I don't really have any recourse. I can't stop them. My, so my question, Rick, is, is that under, let's just say, the subset of intellectual property, if somebody wants to steal your IP, I guess, and, they, and they're a foreign-based company, I guess they can do it because the legal fees would be prohibitive to protect yourself, right? That is very true. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, someone called me. They have a trademark here in the U.S., and their distributor in Canada loved their product. So they trademarked it in Canada and took it over, changed the product name. And so the poor company is stuck because, uh, you know, now they're infringing if they go into Canada with their own product because the distributor. So is there literally nothing you can do? I mean, you just be yeah. careful who you're doing business with and try and check them out as best you can or. Exactly. Yeah. You, you know, definitely who you do business with and, Sometimes it helps just to file those trademarks ahead of time, just to have them in place. Because, you know, if someone takes your stuff, it's too late at that point. Most right. companies are a first to file system. Right. And it, and it is make it even more difficult because the laws per a particular country are, are not the same as U.S. laws. That's correct. They're similar. You know, I, I would say, I mean, they're all different, but there are similarities between them. In, in the case where I had someone go on Amazon and, and kick off that person, I filed a petition to cancel their mark because they knew about my client. This was clearly, you know, it was a power play to get money from them. So I said, it, you know, my client one has priority of the mark in the U.S. So we didn't use it before them. That's a reason that I can cancel based on priority. And the other one I knew was fraud. So I filed a petition to cancel. They never even responded. So I shut them down. But it still took months. So the client was out of business for months. Interesting. You, in your experience, which is rather lengthy and you have a lot of clients and you have a lot of case histories, what would you say, Rick, are the most common mistakes a small business owner makes relative to the whole area of intellectual property? And what could they do to prevent it? The biggest one I would have to say, well, I'm going to go through all three. Patents, okay. Copyrights and trademarks. So. Patents, the number one thing. Patents and trademarks work differently. Patents, you want to file before you publicly disclose. And and people don't realize that. They'll come to me and say, hey, I have this great tool. I've been using it for five years. It's the best thing ever. I want to patent it. I have to say, sorry, you can't. Because under patent law, if you publicly disclose your invention, which this guy had done, for more than one year, you can't file a patent application 
And in a lot of countries, any public disclosure is enough to bar you. In the US, we have a one-year grace period. So if you have a cool invention before you go and tell anybody about it or put it up for sale, file some sort of patent application, talk to a patent attorney, just protect that. That's probably the key thing. Um, With trademarks, file them early. It's a little more expensive to file them before you're using them, but could be worth it just given the delays at the trademark office and getting these things through. And copyright, again, file it before you're actually um, publicly disclosing it because it makes it a lot easier to enforce it. So you're focusing more on the time, the sense of urgency, like do it now, don't wait. Yes. What if there are some things that a owner has that they don't recognize as intellectual property? Good question. Sometimes it it would be great if you could just get a consult with an attorney just to go over what you're doing. And the attorney yeah. might point out to you, hey, that you could protect that as a trademark. You could protect that as a copyright. This right here could be protected as a patent. Patent's the only one where you get barred if it's been around for too long. The other... Uh, copyright or trademark is fine. You can always file. Okay. So it could be depending upon the sophistication of the business owner. Um, yes. You know, maybe they're very savvy in IP, maybe they're medium level, or maybe they don't really know much at all. They may not recognize the power of some of the knowledge or the trade secrets that they have that to even consider protecting it. So I guess that's something that you just say that they should probably maybe meet with a general business attorney and determine if it is something that should be protected. And then they would call somebody like you who's a specialist in this, in IP. I think that's a great idea because, you know, when you talk to an attorney, it's privileged. Everything is confidential. So just to have someone check out what you're doing, see if there are better ways to protect it. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. So Rick, um, We're getting close to running out of time. Is there any other tips other than showing a sense of urgency, anything that potentially smacks of IP that you would advise that my clients do? Yes. So one is keep good records of everything you're doing because patents, trademarks, sometimes I'll ask my clients questions and say, hey, when did you actually start selling this stuff? When was the first time you did this? And some of them have fantastic records. They give me an exact date. Show me your receipt. Sometimes if you're in a dispute with another company over a trademark and it's based on priority, like who had first use, again, it comes down to those records that we need to see. Good record keeping is really helpful. All right. That's really good information. Is there anything else that you'd like to um, share with business owners as a uh, professor of intellectual property? A couple of things. One is people always come to me and say, hey, I don't have a trademark. Can I sell? I'm like, sure, definitely go sell. Trademarks are never required. They're really helpful. And they're, when you want to have one, you really want to have one. So, but are they needed? No, you can go ahead and, and start selling. Um, the other thing is I get people on, on the opposite end of the spectrum where they want to trademark everything. They come to me and say, hey, I am doing this, 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 and this. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's going to be the most expensive trademark ever because Um, (laughs) trademarks are broken up into classes the government um there's 45 different classes so like coffee really wow and they charge you a fee per class and the attorney's going to charge you a fee per class too typically so i said look focus on the core aspect of your business you know just because you want to put uh 
you know, koozies out there for, you know, beer koozies with your company name on it, you got to sell a lot of beer koozies to make up the cost of, you know, filing for that gotcha. class. Gotcha. It's really not worth it. Gotcha. So focus on the core aspect of your business. You can always file more trademarks later. If, you know, if the beer koozie aspect is fantastic, you know, go ahead. But um, really, as a startup business, focus on the core of what you're doing. All right. And then one last question for you, Rick. Sure. I really appreciate your time. So how has COVID impacted your business and your ability to service your clients? Um, obviously, I'm just thinking there's probably a delay, right? I mean, has the cost come up? Or has costs gone up or any other issues that are that are have been impacted because of COVID? Yeah, COVID actually has. And, and I'll give you two scenarios. Me personally, um, I I handle smaller clients and COVID created a, a storm of intellectual property. People are stuck at home, coming up with new business models, new ideas. It got really busy. And I was expecting the opposite, that it would slow down. But sure. instead, it got crazy. I was talking to people at the old firm where I worked for, and I heard it slowed down uh, for the big, who did who do big corporate work, which is what I came from. Um, that slowed down. The big corporations weren't putting out as much. So now, what about the government's response in terms of the processing, the applications? and So that's actually been okay. Um, the government has always, mm-hmm. they call it hoteling. Examiners will work at the, patent and trademark office for a while and then they work wherever they live they work from home so they were already doing that they're just doing it more now so they were actually pretty smooth there wasn't much of a delay with the uspto well rick listen uh, this is really good information um if any of my listeners would like to get a hold of you what is the best way to do that and would they would you honor sort of a brief free consultation definitely crazy with it yeah (laughs) they can call me for free and I, I can, you know, give them some advice. Um, you can always reach me at my email. It's Rick, R-I-C-K, at rctrademark.com. It's probably the best way to reach me because I'm always sitting here in front of this computer working. Well, great. Well, Rick, thanks so much. Thanks, Gene. It's my pleasure. So, loyal listeners, it's time for my production manager, Pablo Romero, who's number one. His mother thinks he's a great expert at what he does, and she's right. So, Pablo... It's a wrap. Take it over to you. All right, Rainmakers, in training, as usual, please feel free to follow us on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Yeah, that's right. We have a TikTok. CEO, the number two Rainmaker. There's some great videos up there, including one on how you can leave a five-star review, which really helps us out here on the podcast. Helps us connect to other small business owners wanting to get the great advice that you're getting right now. Until next time, this is Pablo Romero signing off for Gene Valdez. See you.